KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, a blend of computer science, statistics, and domain expertise. Learn more about University of California San Diego's online Master of Data Science program at omds.ucsd.edu. Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Thursday, March 10th. San Diego's ambulance service is understaffed. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. San Diego County is paring down its COVID-19 investigations. It'll now limit its focus to people at higher risk of developing serious complications from the disease. That means contact tracing investigations will be limited to people 65 and older and those who live in congregate settings where the virus could spread faster. The move is in line with the CDC's recommendation. San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria wants to lower speed limits on some San Diego streets. Previously, cities in California had to base their speed limits on actual speeds that most drivers go. But a new state law gives cities more discretion over speed limits, and Mayor Gloria wants to make use of it, particularly with traffic deaths on the rise. That's obviously a way that you can reduce the likelihood of an injury or a fatality. You know, when vehicles are moving at slower speeds, that definitely reduces the likelihood of that terrible thing happening. 72 people died in traffic collisions on city streets last year. That's a 41 percent increase in traffic deaths compared to 2019. Santa Ana conditions are back. The National Weather Service put out a wind advisory for San Diego County's mountain areas, including Julian and Pine Valley. It'll remain in effect from 10 tonight through 3 p.m. on Friday. Winds are expected from 25 to 35 miles per hour, with gusts up to 55 miles per hour. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. San Diego officials are not pleased with the performance of their new ambulance provider. Yesterday, Falk got a progress report after operating in the city full-time for three months now. KPBS health reporter Matt Hoffman has more from the City Council's Public Safety and Livable Neighborhoods Committee meeting. San Diego Fire Rescue Chief Colin Stoll says his department will be pursuing financial penalties after an early review of Falk's 911 contract found the company was regularly understaffing ambulances. I think it would be uh, inappropriate for me and premature to probably identify a dollar amount right now, but I can tell you that once this information is vetted through that we will be uh, pursuing that avenue. Falk took over operations in late November after promising just over a thousand staffing hours per day, but city data shows they've only hit that mark eight times in the last three months. Falk has yet to meet their monthly minimum staffing hours, and the fire department says daily minimums are also often not met. The issue here is there were terms that we agreed to that are not being met. Councilmember Monica Montgomery Stepp says Falk got the contract in part because they were going to provide a higher level of service. Falk won uh, outright, um, but if that was 
based on promises that um, could never have been fulfilled, then we, we have to go back to the table because that makes the process very unfair. Councilmember Raul Campillo says Falk is not following through on what they promised. I want to first and foremost ask uh, Falk why, why we shouldn't see the statistics from the last three months as a, really a bait and switch on the city of San Diego. Falk's leadership says they have been addressing disparities and are working with the fire department in areas where the company has fallen down. What we've seen um, along with the fire department is, is, an, is a significant improvement uh, in February. Falk's managing director, Jeff Bain, maintains that the recent COVID-19 surge complicated staffing with up to 25% of the workforce out at one time. We are working hard to continue our recruitment, bring our employees on as quickly as we can. The fire department says there have been times in areas where no ambulances have been available and they've had to rely on mutual aid while creating their own contingency plans. BAME says there may be no ambulances in certain areas because they operate a dynamic system that's meant to increase response times. All the units start out in one place, but as the system begins to get busy, those units are moved, whether they're going on an assignment or not, they're moved around the city based on supply and demand. So even though a unit is staffed in a station uh, for Falk, it may end up out of that station throughout its shift and may never go back to that station often based on the, the volume. The fire department, which runs the city's 911 system, also says that Falk has not been following their guidance. Jody Pierce is the deputy chief of EMS. The city has provided uh, direction to Falk in relation to operational, logistical, education, quality assurance matters um, that all kind of revolve around not only contract requirements, but local and state requirements. Um, and they have not followed that direction, which has caused um, issues with our fire operation, county EMS. Um, we continue to work with them to try to address these issues. Um, but yes, it has been a challenge. So what I'm hearing is Falk is not following the directions of San Diego Fire Rescue. Yes, sir. Some crews are pulling extra shifts and city officials are worried about the potential for burnout. My workforce has endured incredible adversity in call volumes, staffing levels, and difficult working conditions. Anthony Sorcy is a Falk paramedic and president of the San Diego Association of Pre-Hospital Professionals. He represents hundreds of employees and says conditions have been getting better. We are happy to report that the service levels and in-kind working conditions have improved for our members. Before fines can be issued, Falk will have a chance to review the city's data. The company has the 911 contract for the next five years. Matt Hoffman, KPBS News. San Diego's efforts to expand the convention center suffered a legal setback this week. KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen says a judge declared the ballot measure to fund the project dead. Measure C on the March 2020 ballot would have raised the city's hotel tax to fund an expanded convention center and homelessness programs. It got almost but not quite a two-thirds majority. That kicked off a long and complex legal battle over what threshold the measure needed for approval and whether the city waited too long before declaring the measure passed. Andrea Guerrero leads the nonprofit Alliance San Diego, which sued the city over Measure C. This case could have been about any ballot measure, um, our concern was about the power taken by city council to ignore election law 
and manipulate the election to get the results that they wanted. Mayor Todd Gloria called the ruling an unfortunate delay and says he supports the city filing an appeal. Andrew Bowen, KPBS News. President Biden says gas prices will continue to go up in light of more sanctions on Russia. But experts say it's not just gas prices that'll increase. KPBS reporter Kitty Alvarado visited a family-owned restaurant, and she spoke with an economist about what this means for everyday Americans and if this continued inflation will trigger a recession. Viridiana and TJ, the owners of Huapango's Mexican Cuisine, have been working hard serving up authentic, delicious Mexican dishes to the community in Hillcrest for almost two decades. They've also been working hard to keep the doors open since the pandemic hit. But it's been one hit after the next. Now that the pandemic is easing, inflation and gas prices are clawing into their profits. The meat went up, the to-go boxes went up, the tortillas are going up, everything. They don't want to raise their prices, but menu prices are a tricky thing to increase. So for us, with the food, we're kind of stuck. We cannot afford it. And honest, I'm scared to raise the prices. If I raise the prices, the business again is going to go down. For now, Viridiana and TJ say they will keep working hard and remain hopeful they can continue to do what they love. Kitty Alvarado, KPBS News. Transgender people from Mexico who are living in the United States can now get birth certificates and passports that affirm their name and gender. KPBS border reporter Gustavo Solis tells us why this means so much to the cross-border LGBTQ community. Before this year, transgender Mexican nationals who wanted to change their birth certificate or passport to reflect their name and gender had to overcome a series of bureaucratic and discriminatory obstacles. Carlos Gonzalo Gutierrez is the Consul General of Mexico here in San Diego. Here's how he describes the old process. Have to go back to Mexico, go in front of a judge, and claim through litigation for the recognition of, of the right of identity. Obviously, that in itself is discriminatory. But now, every Mexican consulate in the country allows transgender people to update their documents. Three local activists were the first to go through the process here in San Diego. Jamie Arangure is the director of the Proyecto Translatina Advocacy Group and calls it a victory in a years-long battle. Now we're going to feel freedom to show their, the passport or ID that says, oh, this is me, this is my real me. With these proper IDs, transgender people from Mexico will not face the same levels of discrimination in San Diego that they experienced before. This is Gustavo Solis for KPBS News. Coming up... I've been watching the old movies from the 40s again. Classics like I Wake Up Screaming and Cry of the City. Those early noir films really had something. Get to the point. Victoria Mature connects with her late, famous father through a unique multimedia production. More on that next, just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, 
presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org. This Saturday, Bodhi Tree Concerts presents the Victoria and Victor Mature Cabaret. It's a unique multimedia father-daughter act in which Victoria pays tribute to her late father, a star of classic Hollywood, Victor Mature. KPBS arts reporter Beth Accomando speaks with Victoria, who's a San Diego resident, about her dad and about creating the show. Tonight, I'm going to be singing songs inspired by my dad's life and career and by the man I knew growing up. So I'm going to be talking a little bit about music, a little bit about movies, and a little bit about what it was like having Victor Mature as my father. That was a little tease from the Victoria and Victor Mature Cabaret. So Victoria, you told me that you were working on a cabaret show about your dad years ago when I had you introduce your father's film, I Wake Up Screaming, at our Film Geeks Noir program. So for people who don't know who your dad is, he was a hunky Hollywood star who started out in musicals, moved on to film noir, played Doc Holliday in My Darling Clementine, and maybe best remembered for starring in Cecil B. DeMille biblical epics such as Samson and Delilah and The Robe. For 40-plus years, his biblical epics were shown on TV around the world every single year at Christmas and Easter. People grew up seeing my dad in those films, and for many people, that was their only, only exposure to my dad and his films. And so he, he kind of became synonymous with the sword and sandal, the biblical film epics, because of that situation with the television. And how would you describe your dad's screen persona? What about him kind of comes across in his movies? I, I love how my dad is so self-deprecating, and he was known for this, and he was, he was known for not taking himself seriously. When he was at the height of his fame in the 1950s, he decided he wanted to join the L.A. Country Club because he wanted to just be able to play golf whenever he wanted to. And so he goes to the club and he says, you know, hey, I'd like to be a member. And, and they say, oh, Victor, I'm so sorry, but we don't allow actors to be members here. And, and he says, well, I'm no actor and I've got 64 pictures to prove it. And my dad did many different types of roles. He did musicals, which no one really talks about much, but they're all fun. And then after the war, noirs became very popular. And the Western noir, the my darling Clementine, my dad plays a part that's not entirely the moral center, but he's still a good guy, and you can totally see that. And that's the the kind of image that the studio wanted to cultivate for my dad as the movies go on, he and the years go on, and he gets more famous, and he's always playing the moral center against the villain. So your dad died when you were still young, and you've dedicated yourself to keeping his legacy alive for new generations. So how did all that kind of play into you creating this cabaret show? When I went to the TCM Festival in about six years ago, they ended up showing My Darling Clementine. And I was just amazed at how many people were at that festival and that how much enthusiasm there was for classic film. And at that screening in particular, how much enthusiasm there was for my dad and his performance. And, you know, I think my dad in his retirement really believed that his work, his 40 plus years of work, was pretty much ephemeral. And that, you know, he had a good time. He had a good run. He was happy. But I think he thought it was over. And 
it was just interesting to see that, no, that people are still appreciating his work. And so from that point on, I started watching his movies. And I, I really, I'd watched some before, of course, in the past, but I really went from the beginning to the end and, you know, watched every one of his films and started to learn more about what was going on when he was making the films. And then I was, I was asked to introduce I Wake Up Screaming at the Noir City Festival in San Francisco. And it just keeps growing. Um, the more I learn, the more chances I get to introduce things. I just did a video introduction for the Noir Festival in the Czech Republic. But I became more enthusiastic about, about his work because everyone else was so enthusiastic about it. And it also, what it is, is it gave me a chance after several years had passed to watch my dad in those films and get to know him in those films. I didn't know him when he was 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 or 60. I knew him pretty much in his 70s and 80s. And it's wonderful. And it's I'm very lucky to be able to watch all these films and recognize facial expressions that I saw growing up. And it's just been so much fun to, to, and healing in a way too, to get to know my dad through those films and to talk to other people about how his films have touched their lives. There's such a community around classic film in, in so many different ways between the festivals and, and the, the social media commentary and the people who blog and, there's such love for it. I, I grew up here in San Diego. I went to UCSD. I was a vocal performance major. The first time around when I tried to do this cabaret, it was a lot of songs, a lot of my dad, a lot of songs from his musicals, a lot of stories about my dad, but I wasn't in the show. And this time around, the songs I'm singing are inspired by his life and his career in motion pictures, but they're, they're also inspired by the person I knew growing up. And I'm planning on talking a bit about, about music and about movies and about what it was like growing up with you know, Victor Mature as my father. So what can people expect from the show in terms of how it's constructed? What are they going to get in this show? It's going to be music and there's going to be multimedia. So we're going to talk about his life and his movies and we're going to show clips and photos and there's going to be some, some films where I might be sharing the screen with my dad. What's up? I've been watching the old movies from the 40s again. Classics like I Wake Up Screaming and Cry of the City. Those early noir films really had something. Get to the point. I love the music in those movies. And you might find it hard to believe, but a lot of that music has gone away. Away? Where? Out of the public eye. But these are top-notch songs. Catchy tunes and clever lyrics. They need to be heard. I'm going to take them out on the road. You appear in scenes with your father. So how does that feel, putting those elements together? It's surreal when I see it. That's fun. And it's fun getting to have a conversation with my dad. In the context of the show, it's a little bit like a little kid that is constantly wanting to connect with their parent and saying, hello, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. And, and basically, I'm doing that in his films. I'm like, I want, I want to connect with him. I want to speak with him about this. And so I'm just, here I am. In, in one film, here I am. I'm in the Western. Hi, I'm here. I'm in the, I'm in the sword and sandal film. 
And not a lot of people can relate to having a movie star as a father, but I think everyone can relate to wanting to connect with someone that they love. And so I think when I see myself on the screen with my dad, it's another way of connecting with him now that he's gone. You know, my dad was sick for a good long portion of my life. And when I saw the pictures that were on our wall at home of him with different actresses in different films, he's so vibrant. When I saw those movies, there's, there's so much life, there's so much vitality. And I missed a lot of that growing up. And so it's just wonderful getting to have those conversations with him in the films is another way I connect with him. Well, I want to thank you very much for talking about your cabaret show. Thank you very much, Beth. And that was KPBS's Beth Accomando speaking with Victoria Mature. Bodie Tree Concerts presents the Victoria and Victor Mature Cabaret this Saturday at Vision in San Diego. And that's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day.